Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Well, we are very excited for this interview that y'all are about to listen to because these two ladies have had a profound impact on both Danae and I in our personal life, professional life, mm. all the lives. Um, <laughs> and they are just gifts to humanity. And so any opportunity that we have to bring these gifts to you, we will jump out. Yeah. I feel like they're two people that we are always just wanting to talk about their gifts, wanting to share what they do for the world and um, how they show up. And I just, I love this conversation. I feel like there's so many ways that, you know, they make these spiritual principles really tangible and really something that you can wrap your head around in a grounded way. Um, and I just, there's something about being in their presence, both of them that like, just feels like a warm hug from spirit to me. I don't know. That's just how yeah, I felt. I mean, I would say, you know, if you're about to listen to this, just be prepared, like open your mind. You're going to mm. hear some maybe words and maybe not because you're listening to us, but you're going <laughs> to hear some like words and concepts that I do think people like raise eyebrows at a lot. And I think to your point, they make it really accessible. And this conversation, it feels profound to me because I think even me, like I had a couple like ahas in it around making that connection from spirit mm. to kind of, I don't know, human, the human, you know, existence, physical uh, realm, yeah. physical realm. Yeah. And, um, I think it's, it's beautiful when you meet people, I think that are doing that work now that are not trying to live either above or below, mm -hmm. right. But are just like living present here, bringing tangible tools, um, that help, help people. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say other than just like, I love these guys. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and I, I think what you're saying is so true. There's something about being able to have a foot in both worlds yes. in a really grounded way that I think both of them do so beautifully and have certainly been guides for me and how to sort of hold that tension of those opposites, right? That we still need to stay grounded in the physical world while holding all of what's happening with a greater understanding. I heard, um, this just brought something up for me, but I, I was listening to a podcast recently because, you know, I love really nerdy Jungian podcasts. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it. I have a note in my phone, but um, this idea that the medicine man or the healer, medicine woman used to kind of provide this connection between um, like death and the underworld and like life here on earth. Right. Mm -hmm. And then in a lot of ways, our more recent, uh, definitions of healers, um, we've, we've kind of lost that connection mm -hmm. and that, you know, healers and space holders, like whatever term you want to use, used to provide that. Right. And I, I feel like people like Ashley and Millie provide that. And I, I think that maybe that's part of what your and my like draw to them is, is that they feel like the real deal. They feel like, um, they feel really much like very much like they have a foot in both worlds. And I think that might be like the openness to them. Yeah. I think, you know, this Aquarian age that we've entered and Millie talks a lot about this in her sort of breakdown of what is happening in the cosmos um, has really 
become a space of opening the door for more of what you're talking about, that we are coming back into this conscious awareness that we are spiritual beings, but there are more people who are holding space for that as like the tangible truth of how we're actually living our lives. And I do think the two of them are just like such potent guides in um, making that transition and holding space for that, you know? Yeah. Enjoy y'all. You're probably going to hear more from them because after this conversation, I think we're going to have them on as recurring guests. (laughs) I love it. Love it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Danae and I are cheesing right now. If you're not cheesing. watching us on YouTube, but you're <laughs> listening um, because we're just so excited because we have friends of ours, really colleagues and friends today to, to talk. And I know it's going to be an awesome conversation, but we've had both of them on prior episodes individually, but now it's like joining forces. There's a little quadrant on zoom right now. Very excited. (laughs) So we are going to be talking to both Millie or Mildred, um, as well as Ashley. So Millie is an astrologer and a spiritual coach who believes that astrology is about guiding her clients to discover the divine wisdom and strength that is within them. And Ashley is a psycho-spiritual counselor, intuitive medium, and teacher who believes that we are all mediums, psychics, empaths, and energy healers. We all have this magic inside of us that many have forgotten, and her intention is to help us remember that. So thank you both for being back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. It feels like there's magic in the room to have the two of you guys here. Um, And I know, you know, I'm going to speak for Vanessa when I say this, but that both of you um, individually have had such a profound effect on both of us and our journeys and our healing paths. And, um, you know, I know that the two of you have joined forces in a podcast called the Butterfly Effect Podcast. Blue Butterfly. Effect mm-hmm. podcast, Danae. Um, and I feel like before we get into all of the reasons um, that we love both love of you, you. And, and how you've impacted us, I'd love for you guys to just tell the listeners a little bit about what you've created as you've joined forces in this podcast. And how you guys kind of came to be the podcast, right? Because like like yeah. Danae was saying, you're kind of these separate entities, obviously, and then you join forces. Yeah, I'm going to let Millie, because it was her idea. <laughs> Sure, sure. Um, well, thank you again for for having for having us. I, you know, I admire all three of you so much. Um, so to be in this space with you, having a conversation with you all, to me, it's just um, I don't know. It's just uh, like this nudge from spirit, like mm. you're on the right track. You're on your journey. So to me, it just it's so it means a lot. But. Yeah, I met Ashley through you ladies, through Vanessa and Danae. I, I can't remember exactly what you were talking about. And, and I said, um, oh, I want to get a reading uh, but from Ashley. And so then I asked you for her info. And at that time, I was going through, through this internal shift of like, I'm feeling that I'm reaching different parts of myself when I'm doing readings. And I know that it's not just Mm. from the chart alone. I don't understand where this is coming from. And months prior, I had set an intention. I had asked spirit, please bring me someone who can explain Mm. what is happening with me. And, and that's how it happened. You lady sent me her info. I got a reading from her in that reading. She just, we had a connection and she invited me to practice with her and her group. And 
that was um, in 2021, some, some, yeah, in 2021. And that's how, that's how Ashley and I met. And then after working together for some time, I, the thought of a podcast for me was, was very overwhelming for, by myself. I, that's just, it's something that I thought about several times, but I thought, no, that's not, I didn't think it was something that I was going to do. And then in working with Ashley and, and seeing our connection and how much I've learned from her, I started to, I was cleaning, I was sweeping the living room and this thought came to me, you should do a podcast with Ashley. Which is by the way, when those kind of thoughts usually come <laughs> <laughs> yes. Turn off your logical mind and you yes. are actually existing in your emotional space and aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. And I thought, Janae, this is why I clean so much. It's not just anxiety. It's my all the ideas like, I'm missing. <laughs> I never clean. See this? Yes, that is exactly <laughs> it. I was sweeping, and the idea came: you should do a podcast with Ashley. And I was like, mm. "What?" Because it wasn't a thought that I'd really had before. Mm. And so I, I always look at Ashley as like my teacher, right? So for me, once I stepped into my rational human mind, right, mm -hmm. like what, how can I ask her? No, mm. I like, I am not worthy. Right. But, um, but yeah, I asked her and that's how, that's how it started. Mm. And I don't know if she wants to share the story of why we called it the blue butterfly effect. Oh, well, you picked the shyest person to do a podcast with. <laughs> so when she asked me, I was like, my whole body was like, yes. Wow. Um, I'd actually had an intuitive hit that I would be doing a podcast. And someone had given me a reading and said I would. And I was like, no way, not me. You know, I'm the quietest person ever. Um, so when you asked me, I was so excited. It just made sense totally. But um, we call it the Blue Butterfly Effect podcast because my symbol for spirit is a blue butterfly. And when I started mediumship before my first paid reading, I was so nervous. I was like, spirit, if I'm supposed to be doing this, then send me a blue butterfly when do you, how often do you see blue butterflies? And outside this window, this black butterfly came with blue spots all over it. I'm not joking within five minutes, like right after. And I was like, from now on, that's my connection. And then Millie mentioned one time that she'd had a dream about blue butterflies. And so it just felt synchronistic for sure. And the minute I met Millie, I was like, you're, I just knew in my heart, she's an intuitive astrologer. I was like, this work is meant for her. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I think I was assuming or knowing things about her that she wasn't quite settled into yet, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and I had to like move a little more slowly, but, um, she joined my class, which was really small at first. Um, and then is now expanded, which is really fun. So it's been really fun having her in the class, but, um, she's taught me as much as I feel like she says I've taught her. So it's, it's very tell, reciprocal. Can you tell the listeners specifically kind of like what the podcast is about? I mean, we know, but I want them to know. Yeah. So our, our base, um, our base theme is grounding sp spirituality, mm. grounding spirituality, and really being able to talk about things that happen on a daily basis and how spirituality is all a part of that how mm -hmm. at any moment we are connected to spirit we are connected if we want to if we're intentional in our human minds um to connect with the essence of us that is light and love um 
And I know that to say that it comes with a lot, it comes with a lot nowadays, but that was the intention, that is the intention behind the podcast to almost demystify this love and light. Yes, it's very freaking real. And it's a part of our everyday. It's meant to be a part of who we are as human beings. And how do we recognize it in every moment and begin to really see the magic that is within us? I have to say that one of the things I love so much after listening to the podcast, but just also knowing both of you, knowing your message, and then, you know, Danae and I having kind of similar perspectives and similar conversations that we're bringing through this podcast um, is that I think nowadays out there in this social sphere, um, it's, it's turning, I think now, hopefully fingers crossed, but I do think up until this point recently, um, this idea of spirituality, the way I've seen it presented has been in a lot of ways, like very bypassy. Um, and what I think that you guys do so beautifully, and I hope that Danae and I do too, is give that yes. And like spirituality can give us this, like you keep saying love and light, right. And we don't get out of being messy and human and the pain and the dark and the realities and the messiness, right. Of, of humanity. And I think even just listening to the two episodes that you have had, it's so obvious that you two bring such a grounded human reality to spirituality, if that makes any sense. Um, and I think that has been, that was so connecting for me when I was listening, because I didn't feel like you were trying to take me out of the human experience. No. Um, or like I said, bypass the human experience, right? It was like the yes. And like they just mm. holding hands. <laughs> no, you have to have both. Yeah. I mean, we are spiritual beings having a human experience, I believe, but we can't just float up into that spiritual connection. We have to understand why we're here. We have to have purpose of our suffering and transform that suffering. Mm -hmm. And we have to stay grounded. I mean, part of the meditation, when I open my circle in class, it's, we need to stay grounded into this human experience while we reach out and connect to spirit, mm -hmm. because there needs to be balance for sure. If without balance, then we're too much into suffering or we go into the spiritual bypassing where we're just kind of floating out, not paying attention to what's happening inside of us. And if we're here to evolve and transform and learn, then we have to be paying attention to that human stuff. That's so uncomfortable. Yeah. And sometimes beautiful. Yeah. And I do think the shadow elements of our human experience are beautiful. I feel like both of you in your own ways have been such powerful guides for me personally in this space of the spiritual experiences aren't actually separate from our experience right, of being right. human. They are integrated within that, you know, and, um, you know, I'll share for me personally, I did, um, a reading with you, Ashley, gosh, was that two years ago that Almost. completely shifted everything about how I hold this experience of being human mm -hmm. in a way that I couldn't sort of, it's that thing of once you see something, you can't unsee it. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And the way that I hold everything that comes up, that is difficult, that is challenging from that experience with you, I just see it differently. You know, um, Vanessa and I had a friend that left his physical body um, from grad school and you gave me an opportunity to come into contact with him in a way. And I feel like I'm describing it because I feel like, and I'll let you build on this a little bit, but people are often like, what does that mean to sort of have an yeah. intuitive reading? What does that look like? Um, but it really gave me a felt sense of, yes, we are here in this physical experience, but forever and ever, I will never see this as all that there is. I just, I can't, I can't have that um, awareness leave me now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
it's I, I, I think about that reading a lot. Mm. That was really beautiful. Um, I still remember that that young man's smile on the other side. It was oh really God. charismatic. Yeah. Don't forget it. Once you've seen it, you never. Yeah, it was beautiful. Um, and the reason I the reason I teach spiritual mediumship, and even though people may not want to connect to the other side, but to understand that they can and to have that experience that they're with us and to be able to communicate with them can bring so much healing. Um, you know, people come through and they take responsibility for things that they've done. They come through, my grandmother came through. I think I said this in the podcast, but she was telling my friend, the kind of cookies my kids were making downstairs for Christmas. And when I went downstairs that night and I put the cookie in my mouth, I was like, Oh my God, this is what she was describing. I mean, that's, you can't deny that they're here all around us. And so it's so powerful. And I, I appreciate that it was that helpful because it's transformed everything for me. Hmm. Um, the way I move through the world, the way I see everything is different. I want to go back to almost like a one-on-one for people listening, right? Okay. Because we, <laughs> we talk about intuition a lot. Um, I know Danae and I do, right? It's this word that's used a lot. And then obviously we're going to, you both have the intuitive kind of nature. Well, we all do. And then I want to also flip to astrology, but you know, Ashley, you said, or you say that intuition is the language of the universe, right? And will you speak a little bit more kind of, because I guess when I'm working with clients, especially around codependency specifically, mm -hmm. I talk a lot about how, um, for people who live in a more codependent space, our intuition is turned down so low that for most of us, we have no idea what it's saying, right? So mm -hmm. the voice that we're hearing is not usually our own. Usually it's other people's, it's our parents, it's societies, right? It's fear. It's fear, mm -hmm. and which would be more ego, right? And for a lot of us, um, the practice of, if we're just getting granular and saying like recovery around codependency, a lot of that practice is actually learning to tap into intuition and discerning, like what is intuition and what is not right. So that's a big way of saying, I, I suppose, can you talk to us a little bit more about intuition as a language? Right. Mm -hmm. And I guess in, in that answering of a question, I'm wondering if you can speak more to this idea of how people do start to listen more to it, if it has been so turned down for them, which I think for a lot of us, it is. Yeah. You know, and I think the interesting thing about people who grow up in environments where they learn codependency or traumatic environments is that their empathy is turned on really high, Almost too which high. is such an intuitive <laughs> gift, right? Yeah. They know what's happening with their partner, with their parents, with the energy around them. They know how to keep themselves safe. They're sensing into the mood. So th what they're doing is in a sense, intuiting how to act next or um, move next to keep themselves safe. And then as they get into codependent relationships, how to manage their partner, how to maybe hide the bottles, hide the keys, um, whatever it is, you know, check the phone, hide the phone, whatever, you know, but using those, they use that empathy. And I would say they're even intuiting that something's off, but the problem is they're managing it in a healthy way. So they've, they've, they're actually acting intuitive, but they're not tapping into their intuition as to how to make themselves better or their, or yes. what their soul is guiding them. Mm -hmm. Like they get intuitive hits that maybe their partner's cheating on them or that drinking again or drink using like or whatever. Like the intuition is almost not turned inward. It's like, I'm it's not turned inward, intuition, but it, it's almost outward, right? It's, it's totally outward. Yeah. So that's why I find some of the most intuitive and empathic people are people that grew up in environments where they had to use that as a survival skill. Totally. But what they're doing is they're so tuned in how to make everyone around them feel better that they don't even know how to to make themselves feel better. Mm -hmm. um, so to be honest, 
the reason the the way the reason I teach these classes, like the first thing I teach is a psychic reading or a soul to soul reading. And I'm sharing this because teaching that teaches someone that I can connect into someone else and I can get information to get guidance for them. So they have this proof that they're intuitive. Mm -hmm. But in that practice, they start learning their own intuitive vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I'm reading Millie, I'm getting information. I'm seeing that her soul is asking her to move in this direction, maybe move to move into teaching or whatever it's supposed to be. And I'm getting all this guidance. And then when I share with her, this is what I'm seeing. And she says, that makes so much sense to me. You're right on. Then I learn, oh, I learned to trust myself. Mm-hmm. And as I learn to trust myself, then when I'm out in the world, not doing this kind of readings, or I'm not just responding to my environment or my partner or my friends in an unhealthy environment, I start listening to what my soul's saying. I start listening for those longings. And the heart is the voice of the soul. So when we ache for something, if we ache to be somewhere else or to leave that relationship or to study something or to know somebody, that to me is the soul saying, hey, you're seeking something else. Let's listen. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. I love that you say, you know, each time they get that little that like recognition in that moment and is an ability to trust yourself more. It is an ability mm-hmm. to say, Oh, that's right. Like my intuition is there and it is, I can listen to it. Right. And that's the way I talk to clients is like, every time you have a micro moment where you have an opportunity to let's say set a boundary or speak up, you know, mm-hmm. and, and own something or, you know, ask for a need to be met. It's in those moments too, that you're actually telling yourself you can trust yourself. So similarly, it's like each time we do these little itty bitty micro things where we listen and we act on it, it's like, that's it. That's how you turn it up. Yeah. And the soul will never take you towards suffering. Mm. So if you feel bad, that's your ego and your fear. That's not intuition. You know, if you're seeking something that you're longing for, it's going to make you feel so good. So there's a big difference. I love that so much, Ashley. I feel like V, I just have to, don't you feel like Ashley just sort of settled, um, not like an argument that we empathy. <laughs> but don't you feel like what she just said about like it being a focus outward versus inward makes a lot of sense. So, so everybody knows what we're talking about. Vanessa and I often have a little bit of an argument about like whether or not being an empath quote is a spiritual gift or not. And Vanessa has said in the past that sometimes she feels like it's more, correct me if I'm wrong, of a trauma response to the ways that we've been raised to sort of like anticipate things that could harm us in our environment. And it's not necessarily like something we should glorify as like being a spiritual gift. It's not what I say. It's not about not glorifying it. What I've said in the past is that I don't believe that being an empath is a spiritual gift kind of bestowed to us from high. Like, I do believe that every human is born with an intuitive sense and an intuitive nature, but this idea of what an empath that I'm saying, I'm using air quotes for those who are just listening is I think out there in this very, very like spiritual bypassy kind of world that we live in has been explained as if it's this gift that's been given to us. And I do believe that while all of us are intuitive, like we have intuitive nature, being an empath is actually something that's like a practiced skill that Mm -hmm. a lot of us get this practice from trauma and from upbringings that we had to learn to tap into being an empath, right? To survive. And so I believe that it's real. I just, I I struggle with how it's explained out there in the world right now. Yeah. And I feel like we've, we've always been in agreement that sometimes what people are describing as being a quote empath is them describing codependent tendencies. So I think we are in agreement. Yeah. And it's well, used an argument. <laughs> I couldn't think of another word for it's argument. Just the word is, I think the word debate. is used. Yes. Well, and I think that bothers me. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's used. I, and what you're saying is that 
empath tendency or strength is used as a survival mechanism. And then as they get older is used in toxic relationships or dysfunctional relationships. And I also find that people who are highly empathetic from that, if they're not paying attention to what they're doing, they're using it. They don't have any boundaries with, I mean, if we're talking about spiritual boundaries, Mm -hmm. they don't have boundaries, emotional boundaries. They don't have any physical boundaries and learning those boundaries is so important. So honing that and making it actually a gift that can be of service. So I love when I teach someone, they have the experience of tuning in, but not needing to save that person, not needing to manage their path. They can actually hear that their soul's talking and it kind of creates this, oh, there's actually that inside them. And therefore that's inside me. And I can use this in a new way that's actually helpful and loving and kind. Maybe sometimes that person doesn't even want to hear what you have to say. Like (laughs) you might be getting this empathic kind of, you know, intuitive hit and that person could care less. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, if people want it. Right. And like, but part of that boundary, I think is being an empath is like this idea of being a savior, right? Like sometimes keep it to yourself. Like you don't need to go out there and, and put this on other people if they're not like open to or willing to hear or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's such a beautiful thing. Um, any of these gifts, right? I always say it's like, they can be your kryptonite or they can be your superpower. Mm. It just depends on how well you understand it and like what your boundaries are around it, right? And none of this I think should be used without someone's permission. You know, even just tuning in to what people are up to, People ask me all the time, do you just read people in the grocery store? I'm like, that's not my business. <laughs> By the way, I got other things going on. I, I got enough going on. I don't These need are to the read things you wonder about. I'm like, so are you just like overwhelmed with everything you're hearing? No, but that's that an therapist? interesting too. What? Like, are you always yeah. analyzing everybody? And people don't no. understand. It's like, I'm boundaried around that, right? It's a yeah. similar yeah. thing. It's like, I don't have no. the emotional space or desire to analyze you, first of all. Get no. Over No. And it's not my business. It's not my business. And I do know that there are people and back to empathy and boundaries that if you are spiritually, spiritually in quotes, open all the time and receiving all the energies of the universe, man, that's just too much. And that to me, when people are like, yeah, someone said I had like 200 entities in my house. I'm like, something's going on there. My practice is about love and I'm boundary. Like Mm -hmm. I've told them, I don't want them. I don't want you coming in unless I'm working or if I've set the intention. So when I hear that they're following me around and attached to me, I get a little like, like okay. We need to do a little work around that then. Yeah. <laughs> Codependency with the spirit world. System, like we need to. <laughs> totally. Love it. All right. Well, so let's bring some of the astrology in. Will you tell us a little bit about how then you start to weave astrology into the podcast? How are you guys going to use that aspect of the, the tools? Well, um, so far, it has been the tool that we've been using to uh, come up with uh, topics around. So mm. wherever the moon is transiting at the time, um, I, you know, I'm like, okay, what is the moon transiting in the sign of Aquarius mean? And so I sent Ashley some notes and I'm like, this is a topic that can arise from Aquarius themes. And we talk about it. And that's one of the ways that we use it. it it's become a really easy way to come up with topics. But for me, I just, you know, I think that astrology is, astrology is just another language. Mm. I mean, when you really look at it, it's, they're symbols. Each symbol means something. Each symbol, when put together with another symbol, creates something else. And when you learn to read it, you have a whole language, right? So to me, it's like any, everyone can be an astrologer, anyone, Mm -hmm. anyone. 
you start you study it long enough you begin to put these symbols together and then it makes sense mm -hmm. so to bring astrology into it it's it's just for me it's like let's talk about astrology as we would in any other conversation it's it like the container like it, the astrology feels like it's providing such a beautiful container to then more of these kind of esoteric intuitive based conversations that you might have. Right. And that's why it feels to me, at least why they, they work so beautifully together. Or you two work so beautifully together. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, when I think about my, my journey into this, I'm like, it makes so much sense that astrology would be what I would be interested in first, because it very much appeased my human mind. Yeah. There, there's a system, there are books, there's a teacher, there's things I can see, and I memorize them, and then I put them together really well, and there's a chart that I can follow, there's a map. Mm -hmm. But then everything that was already there, my intuitive part, that just came with the practice of doing readings and charts, that was intangible. That was the part that I realized there was no way I could have started with that. You know, there was no way my journey could have started with that. My, I wasn't in the space to welcome it. And I think that astrology did that for me. Astrology opened me up in a way where, yeah, even though esoteric practices have been a part of my entire life, for many reasons, it just made more sense for me to go into it with astrology. And I think that's what astrology does. And where we are now, astrology is becoming much more popular, uh, People are able to pick up on things a lot easier. And that, you're right, the container, that, that's a really great way of putting it. Now that just becomes the, the basis of the conversation. And then we can get into this, these other things that seem so otherworldly or intangible. And they're really not. They're just a part of us. We, it's yeah. just, I think it's a different language with different symbols um, and a different way of deciphering. Here's the thing I'm curious to ask the two of you. I feel like certainly this has been true in my own life, but it just feels like everyone around me is so much more open to these tools, these ways of looking at the world and that there is more than maybe the tangible, um, you know, material aspects of life that we've been aware of. Um, why do you think this is this shift in consciousness is happening now? I think people are really suffering. I mean, I think what we've been through for the past two years, people, um, their trauma is rising to the surface. They're seeking something different. They're seeking meaning. Mm -hmm. um, Millie and I have um, a podcast coming up about, you know, that pain and suffering that we need to find a purpose and context for it. We need to find meaning in it, you know, so that we can understand without spirituality gives us that context. It gives us that purpose. It gives us that meaning without it. We're kind of a victim to what's happening to us. Mm -hmm. But once we can understand why things happen and let them transform and evolve us, then we move from a victim position to an empowered position. You know, I've talked a lot about being kind of stuck in my story and without understanding why that happened to me, then I couldn't really move from victim to empower. And once I did, it was transformative. So I think people are looking for empowerment. I think they want to move out of the victim stance, you know, and I'm not saying victim, like we're just kind of soaking in what's happening to us and dwelling in a way, but we're looking to, to for it to mean something. If we're going to go through this, then why, 
And I think spirituality gives us that. And so I think people are looking for that for sure. Mm. Yeah. I feel like I, you know, as a space holder, what I often struggle with, and um, I feel like both of you have been containers of this for me, but how much do we sort of stay in the space of the bigger meaning for the people that we're holding space for, or sort of like get down in the tangible, like muck of the, you know, the, the mud of where the lotus flower is eventually going to emerge from. But I know for me, when I have been in the muckiest dark night of the soul moments, it actually, I don't know that it felt super helpful for people to get down in the muck with me. I sort of was like reaching for someone to give me a little light out there somewhere. So I struggle with like, what is, what can feel like a little bit of the like flying above the fray of like what I believe to be the higher truths about like some of the challenging moments in history we're facing. And then that that can feel a little bit sometimes dismissive of where people are in their process of being in the muck and the mud right now. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think just to throw in a little bit of astrology from an astrological perspective, we're really leaving behind, um, the world that has been built, I mean, for much longer than 30 years, but the last 30, at this point now, 32 years, the value systems from which the world was built upon was very much about the ends justify the means. Mm -hmm. And we can look at that from an astrological perspective. This is, uh, this is all Capricorn energy. Capricorn energy is what's been transformed. It's, it's been the dismantling and the breaking down of all of these structures that were built on a status quo that was very much okay with a lot of greed, uh, with a lot of you know uh, dismissing of 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 the the air, air quotes little people, mm. and that that was okay. And over the last two years, when we were forced to be home and really face ourselves and question a lot of, are these my belief systems or are these belief systems that I've been conditioned to have? And do they align with my value system? And what is my value system? What does that mean, right? So in this, we're, we're transitioning into a space where I think we're re recognizing the individual responsibility we have to understand ourselves at a much more profound level, because in that way is where we can show up to the world differently. And then that's how we are able to contribute to, I feel the strengthening and, and the elevating of, of human consciousness, of collective consciousness. So in this space of, of being in the muck and people reaching out for an understanding of the muck, I think that's great. <laughs> let's understand our muck. Let's really be in there. Let's let's connect with people who have been through the muck and and be open about it and see how it's in the muck that we learn compassion. We have if we don't learn compassion in the muck, I don't think we can get through it because we have mm -hmm. to. It's almost like a constant uh, forgiving of ourselves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's like okay, if I want to understand a little bit more of myself. I have to forgive myself here. Okay. And I'm going to forgive myself here and I'm going to keep moving until we realize, okay, I'm just a human being and 
there are choices, decisions that I've made. Now I know that I can do better. Mm-hmm. In that muck, that compassion, that self-love, that I feel almost we have no other choice but to have if we want to continue going. That's what we can then carry out into the world. Yeah. Sometimes we need someone or often we need someone to be in it with us for a little bit as far as witnessing it, normalizing, you know, pain is normal, um, seeing us in our darkest moment so that we know that I shouldn't be ashamed of this. I'm not alone. And so I, I find sometimes holding space for people and I hold it in my heart. That's that purpose, that under higher understanding, that transformation piece. I try to hold it for them until they can grab onto them, but being a witness to that darkest, muckiest moment is also so beautiful and important. Um, and I know that's what changed my life is having those kind of witnesses. And it can be hard to see people stuck in the muck for yeah. long periods of time. And your heart's just like, you don't know, are they going to get through it? Or are they going to get stuck? I don't know. But, and that's where I just feel like it's such a personal relationship with their soul and this journey here and what they choose to do with that muck. Yeah. yeah. I think Sorry, just real quick is I think what I hear you saying in that is like, how do we hold space for honoring the muck? I often wonder with, you know, your ability to know that whatever we believe about life and this physical realm is not all there is. I would feel like it would be almost more challenging for you sometimes to stay in the the muck of like, I don't know. Um, even sometimes the grief work when you know that like that the death isn't real. That's not, you know, we're, we don't we leave these bodies and that's not the end. Do you know what I'm asking? Yeah, but that's where the human experience is so important because that's part of their human experience. And I know that, I mean, even in my own stuff, if I don't get it in this life, I'm going to get it in another life. It's going to come back for me. So you hold the hope that they'll get there, but also understanding that this human experience is so important, that grief is so important, even though we know that our loved ones are on the other side. It's okay. But that human needs to grieve. We need to feel those feelings. We need to feel the pain of this human life so that we can have understanding. I mean, every lesson that comes up, I'm just bracing myself because even though I understand what it's for, it's Mm -hmm. still so painful because I have to surrender again. And I'm still so human. Like, I don't know if you ever kind of just kind of, you know, surf don't along. And, yeah, no, I don't think you do. I think it becomes easier. Yeah. I'm, I open my arms to the pain now rather than mm. pushing it away. And I know it's going to be a rough ride. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 That was between the two of you. I think that was a really good um, explanation. You know, I would say that what I think, Ashley, I mean, I, I'm, I'm always transparent about the fact that you were my, my first therapist. Um, and I put that out there, you know, to everybody. And I will say that when you said that in that moment, I realized like, that's exactly what it was for me. Like you were the first person. Oh, I'm getting emotional. Ooh, you were the first person in my life that provided that to me ever. <laughs> um, sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> and I had never experienced that before, you know, but you... Now, granted, we met, you know, a lot earlier on both of our journeys, but you, you never put on me anything that I wasn't ready to hear. Mm. And I think if you had, it would have been very different. You know, it would have felt a lot more dismissive. It would have felt a lot more like you were in a place of being the expert. Mm. I never felt like you were the expert ever. And I think if I had, I wouldn't have connected you in that way. 
you know, the, the, the reason I connected to you was it was so much more of like, a am going to witness this. I'm not going to try to change it or take it away from you, but rather I'm going to sit here next to you and just be that support while you walk through it. And I'm just going to provide that stability. Right. And I, and I think yeah. that as all four of us in this, in this room, really um, as healers and as space holders, you know, I think it's really important. I have to remind myself of that sometimes too, because sometimes I think we, we think we have the answers and I don't think we ever do. <laughs> no, I don't want to be the expert on anyone's life. I can't. Yeah. I don't want to, Millie laughs at me sometimes. I'm like, I don't want to be the authority of anything. I don't want to call myself a spiritual teacher. I want to be a guide. I want to walk beside you, yes. but I can't know what's right for you. This life may be about you rejecting everything and you saying no, and you getting stuck in the muck. And some people must may decide that I'm just going to stay here. That I can't judge that. I've really like, with my whole heart, as much as I want to see everybody transform and to have this experience, I understand it's not my job. I am a witness. And I so appreciate you saying that, but it's true. I'll hold your hand. I'll sit with you. I'll help you. I'll guide you, but it's your choice. Right. And who am I to know? Like, yeah. I, mean, I don't know what's best for anyone. It's so funny you said, I had, I've told this story a few times, but I had a supervisor and Janae knows this story. I had a supervisor once. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you, he didn't, he didn't give me much, <laughs> but the one nugget he gave me <laughs> was a moment where I had this like teen client who was just driving me bananas. Like she was so stuck in her shit. Right. Like, mm. and it was, woe is me. Woe is me constantly. And every week I was like, ah, I just want to shake this girl. And I remember in front of our entire group, him saying to me opening with, I'm going to say it to you like this because you're a New Yorker and I know you can handle it. And I was like, Oh God, I don't know what that means. <laughs> that was how he opened it. Cause I was in LA at the time. And he said, who the fuck do you think you are? And I remember being like, oh, damn. And, you know, I've carried it with me. I've given that nugget to a lot of people since. And it is, it's still so profound for me because when I get into that space and I know it comes from a real desire to want to help. Right. But when I'm in the caretaking versus caregiving, I can tell myself who the fuck do you think you are? And immediately it puts my feet back on the floor and it's like, you're nobody you are here to just provide guidance. And that is mm. it. Like you do not know. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> love and that's not for everybody, but damn, was it for me when somebody said to me, I was like, oh shit. All right. I, I hear you. I think we all in this position yeah. could remind ourselves of that. Cause I think we, yeah. we want, we can, you know, especially we can want to put our hands in there and make things different. And yep. Yeah. I, th- I think, yeah. I think for me, it has shown up in that, especially when with the clients that I work that I've worked with for a long time, right? Like I can see a certain transit come and they're in it and they're in it. They're in it for a year, year and a half. And it's like, and of course, if we see each other every week, every other week, it's like, it's the same story told in different ways, Mm -hmm. right? And I had to really check myself and say, okay, I can't just, this isn't the space to be like, it's going to be over. Like it's going to end soon. Like it's going to end, years, you know, be like, this is I not a big deal. You're going to be right. fine. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to hear that this shit's going to last for another two years. Right. I mean, exactly. Exactly. Right. And I was like, okay. And it was those, especially those, those really rough, rough transits that I'm like, this, this is it. This is where, this is the point, like to hold 
the space for everything that is processed. To me, when I realized that, and again, yeah, you have to check yourself. It's like, that's a, that's a, it feels like, it, it feels like a big responsibility, mm. you know? Yeah. It's so sacred. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, I can see through this chart how this transit's going to go for this person. And now that we both know, I can just be present, hold space. And sometimes that's about it. Yeah. And because that's, that's it. And mm-hmm. it's not about me. <laughs> I think that's that each of you do such a beautiful job of that work. And that's such a beautiful reminder as space holders that every step of the journey is necessary. I remember Ashley, you telling me you're going to have a project that you're going to work on, but it's not going to be for like two years because you're not ready. And I was like, what? And you said something very similar a year ago, Millie. I don't know if you, you were like, yeah, like next year, but every part of the journey is necessary to gather up all of the little breadcrumbs of information that we need to become who we're becoming. And I think sometimes, I mean, God, with you guys having these phenomenal cosmic powers of seeing like what's coming, I imagine it must be very difficult to be like, nope, just cool your jets and stay where you are in the journey because it is all, you know, Millie in your class the other day, someone was talking about how impatient they are with the like, where I'm trying to get that I think I need to be. But it's amazing how you'll look back a couple years ago and be like, where I thought I wanted to get to, like, oh my gosh, I have no interest in that anymore. It's mm-hmm. like, it's all been perfect, you know? Yeah. And yeah. also there's free will with all of this, you know? So Millie mm-hmm. can see a transit. I can see this part of the soul's path, but if that person doesn't choose it or do the work to get there, yeah. it's not going to happen. Like Millie's told me those transits will come back, you know, the cycle or lessons unlearned. Um, I may have said that wrong. Sorry, Millie. I don't know if that's correct, but (laughs) I'll see in someone's like soul's path. They're like, if they're not working and taking steps or doing their personal work, Mm -hmm. that thing that's there, they'll never hold in their hands. You know, it's just not handed to them. The universe doesn't just say, here, you get a project, Danae. No, the two years of work on yourself or whatever you're doing is what's leading you to that project. So it's not just magic of, oh, I just get this thing and I get to wait around. No, it takes a lot of work. Yeah, it's a really important point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always go back to, sorry, I didn't. No, no, go ahead. I always go back to what, I can't remember his name right now, but he's an astrologer. Uh, and he says the, the cycles and the planets don't compel, they impel. Hmm. And I, I always remember that. I, I like to go back to that because, and I wish I could remember his name right now because he's so brilliant. Um, it was one of the first things I learned in astrology. And it was really the one thing that just stayed up here. And I said, it's that free will, personal responsibility, free will, personal responsibility. Uh, because, you know, I, I do get clients that come and they're like, well, they told me that I was going to attract a partner this year and I didn't. And so I look at their chart and it's like, well, yeah, you had a transit that was really supporting you attracting a serious partnership, but how did you meet that energy? Hmm. How did you meet the universe halfway, as I like to say? And um, I think that (laughs) I have to keep myself from looking at future transits of my own because then I'll (laughs) I'll break the fuck out. (laughs) 
<laughs> enough, enough. I just, I learned to trust that those transits, as tough as they may seem, and they have been, uh, they'll teach me what they need to teach me, but I can still show up, you know, mm-hmm. I can still show up mm-hmm. with support and with grace. And sometimes I'll cry all day. And sometimes I won't like, it's, it's just life meeting us. And that is spirituality. Yes. We meet life and we allow it to, to, to tell us what it's trying to tell us. And if we remain open, it tells us so many beautiful things. And then that's what we take with us. That's spirituality. I love that, Millie. I think for so many people, and actually, Ashley, I did not know this about you before listening to this last podcast episode that you grew up in a very Christian household. I think for so many of us, um, at least in the West, but I mean, I guess probably globally, we have lived uh, as a people under this kind of idea that there is something outside of ourself that is some kind of authoritative figure that is here to tell us what to do, not to do what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's evil, right? All these things that part of that has why it has been why we have lost the ability to, to be in touch with our intuition, yeah. right? Because we have been told for centuries not to listen to our bodies, not to listen to our intuitive nature, right? To listen to this thing outside of ourselves or this, you know, these people outside of ourselves will say. And I think what you just said is, is really fascinating, Millie, because it's like, spirituality is this, it's the meeting halfway, right? I mean, this is not something outside of self that has the, the know all on who you are and what your life should be and look like, right? There is a process larger than ourselves that we can tap into and that we are a part of whether we like it or not, and whether we know it or not. But it is not the authority. What is the word? Authoritarian? Authority? Authority. Authority. Thank you. I'm like, what is the word? <laughs> authority on our lives, right? Like mm-hmm. we are actually the authority on our lives. And that's where that free will comes into play. And it is the dance between those two that actually make up spirituality. And that mm-hmm. I think is actually where the line is between spirituality and religion. I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but that, that to me feels like what that line is. I think that's such a great point, V. Because I think there's a way that even the work that the two of you do can be used as a way to sort of outsource my knowing and outsource mm-hmm. my yeah. my inner authority. And mm-hmm. I know I've certainly <laughs> fallen into that trap of like, Millie, what's happening in the cosmos? <laughs> <laughs> like, prepare myself because I'm freaking out, my anxiety, you know. And I think there is a point at which we do start to, and I think, you know, Millie, correct me, um, but a lot of what has been happening within the last year has been that thing of turning the focus back inward. Um, and that is what we are being called to do to like really know though. But at some point you got to bet on your own knowing you got to sort of like direct the focus back into what feels true for you, because that is, I think you're right. Be like what, what ultimately spirituality is. Yeah. One mean, of the, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. One of the things that I like to remind clients either during readings or when we're just working continuously together is to pay attention to what's coming up for them naturally as we're conversing. Hmm especially because my intention is to connect soul to soul. And if that's our intention together, then then the soul has something to say. The soul has messages. Pay attention to those messages because they are just, those messages are as much part of the conversation as anything we could be saying. Hmm. It matters. It really does. I was going to add 
something my teacher always says is like, spirit's not a helicopter parent. Spirit's not coming down here to say, hey, get out of that relationship, get out of that job, you should be over here. No, it's, it's this relationship you have and building on the energy and working with the energy of love, but it's supportive, loving energy, but it's not here to tell us how to go or where to go at all. And, you know, in a reading, I also want to say what Danae was talking about how people can, I think they can lean on this stuff sometimes maybe too much or get, or get, forget their, to listen to their own way. But you can feel in a reading when you're connected to the soul and the heart and you can feel the moment the ego comes in. And I have to say, it's like, yuck, mm. <laughs> get out of here. Well, cause there's this beautiful, loving, pure space. And then the ego comes in and wants all this control and answers. And it's such a different energy. It's, it's pretty palpable. Yeah. That's such a good point. That's yeah. such a good point because you can really feel it. You can really sense it. God, that just made me cry when you said that about um, spirit is not a helicopter parent because I've just felt that so strongly. Like this, this presence is here and so supportive and with you and wants you to know how powerful you are, wants you to know right. the extent to which your answers are always within you. And I have just, oh, I, I just felt that so deeply as you said that, Ashley. Thank you for saying yeah. that. I think too, another like thought that came out of that statement is like going back to something that was said earlier. It's not a helicopter parent because if I'm, if I'm talking about actually parenting, right? Like Mm -hmm. as a helicopter parent, I'm actually not helping my child. I'm hurting my child Mm -hmm. per quote unquote, protecting them from every potentially bad or harmful or what I perceive as bad or harmful thing is not helping them. Mm -hmm. Right. We need the hurt. So go back to what we were saying earlier. We need the pain. We need, because that's where the, that's, that's transmutive, right? Like that's where the transformation happens. That's where the growth happens. And it's not to say that profound insight and growth can't happen in moments of bliss and, you know, positivity and love and whatever, but we can't always live there. That's not the reality of our human experience. And a helicopter parent actually does hinder growth, right? Mm -hmm. It hinders, um, it hinders transformation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to think back to at least my experience with spirit is never intrusive mm-hmm. and it, it's just not because I didn't listen to the things I needed to listen until I was ready to. Yeah. And that was it. And <laughs> so it's, it's not until we're open enough that these messages and downloads and these insights and the intuition really starts, you know, waking up from a different space. And, and the, we learn, I think, I, I mean, at least for me, I think that trusting my intuition and all of that did come with practice and, and someone holding space for me. But yeah, spirit is never intrusive. It's and you're not- ready when you're ready. I think that's a really important thing for people to take away is that just because you weren't ready five years ago, doesn't mean that there was something wrong or that you did anything bad or that you missed opportunities. Like that's not the way it works. You are ready when you're ready. And that is also why we're saying that like, you have to go through what you have to go through. Mm -hmm. You know, had you known five years ago, would things have been different? You can't, it's, it's not like that. This is Mm -hmm. the way that your path is designed to kind of unfold taking into account free will. Um, and you wouldn't have been in a different place at that time. Had you known this, because that's just not the way that the path is. It's not the way that it, it, it opens for people, yeah. I suppose, if that makes sense. 
No, we can't look at timing the way we think about it. Linear you know, time. it's, there's divine timing. There's yeah. timing of our soul. And I think something interesting when I look at my life and I think about the choices I've made that my soul's longed for, what I recognize is each one of those things was part of my healing. So the soul just doesn't long for maybe a relationship. Chocolate. What? Ice cream, chocolate. Ice cream. Gorgeous <laughs> 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 <it's> food. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the soul longs for things that have purpose mm. that are part of the evolution of your life. Like when I look at my soul's longing to be a therapist or my relationship to my husband or to have children, um, to become a medium, to surf, that was a huge part of like healing and working with my trauma. But I looked at my life and I was like, as soon as I stopped making decisions that surrounded me with toxic people or that created pain or suffering, when I made choices that were actually part of my healing, that I was listening, I look at my life now and there's really nothing in it that I haven't brought into it mm -hmm. and that I, there's nothing in it. I don't surround myself with people that I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to get rid of them, you know, or I'm not in a job that I can't stand or in a relationship or all those things. And it's amazing. I had someone say to me yesterday, yeah, this aging really sucks. And I was like, which part of it? And they were like, you know, the rat race, all the responsibility. And I, <laughs> I was like, sorry, I can't get on board with you right now. Uh, I can't join you in this conversation. I said, because I really, everything in my life is intentional mm. and it's not perfect. I'm still in pain. I'm still learning, yes. but it's crazy. If you're listening, you have this intentional life that the suffering is, it, it's not unnecessary suffering. Yes, yes. Where before there was so much unnecessary oh, suffering. Now it's suffering that has meaning and purpose and all that. And see, I think that to me is what I feel like people often miss when they're in their critiques of some of the metaphysical concepts or um, like, you know, law of attraction, it's, it's that to me, it becomes more about personal responsibility and that you have a choice about the way that you're holding things, but also the things that you, you have a choice about eliminating from your life. If they are not serving you that, yes. you know, like continuing to stay in the suffering is, uh, you know, <laughs> a choice that you're making ultimately. Yeah, and those things weren't just handed to me. Like I had to work for everything, yeah, you absolutely. know, <laughs> they weren't just like, Oh, here, you get to be a therapist. You get to have kids. You get to be a, I mean, like everything had its stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think that this is what to, to have, to have a connection to spirit. That is when you gain this strength um, or when you wake up the strength that has always been there mm -hmm. to make the difficult decisions or the seemingly difficult decisions of, I hate this job. I'm going to, I'm going to leave it. That's going to change a lot of things, but something is obviously telling me that my time here is done. And I trust myself. I trust my connection to, to my spirit. I trust that I am guided, I am supported, I trust my next step. How, I mean, when I look at that and it's like my choices are staying in this miserable situation and trusting, not just, and not just blindly trusting, just crossing my fingers, hoping for the best. It's like this genuine trust, I'm, I'm gonna trust. Hmm. But there's and, work with trust, which is, what yes. I, I think that's the important component, right? Millie, that like a lot of people don't hear 
when, when to your point today, why people dismiss these kind of metaphysical concepts is because they hear, oh, just trust. And then they think like, what are you talking? Like, I've got bills to pay. I've got food to put on the table, whatever. And what you're saying, Millie, is like, yes, we can trust. And then what you're saying, Ashley, is like, but there's work in the trust. Right. Absolutely. They all go hand in hand, right? And this is why I say to clients a lot, like the act of surrendering is like, it's one of the hardest things to do. It takes a lot of work to surrender. It's not about just like kicking back your feet and drinking a margarita, which I no. wish it were, you know, it's like there's work in surrender. Yeah. Trust is incredibly scary because every part of the ego wants to tell us we will be annihilated. All of our conditioning has said, you will not be held. You will not be okay. You have to be afraid. And so, you know, working into that space of, but I'm going to listen to the longings of my soul anyway, because what I want wants me, what I feel feel a pull towards, there's a reason that I feel this pull. That is the trust. And that is the deeper soul work, but yeah, just I know it's not easy in motion. Like yeah, that's right. what I have to trust, right? Like with this idea yeah. of trust, it's like, I put the wheels in motion and then I show right. up each day, check in and do what's required of me to continue moving those wheels forward. Right. Yes. So it's like, if I were to look at grad school, I mean, shit, I have a very distinct memory of living in Danae's guest house after moving to LA and with one suitcase, working full time, going to grad school. And I remember just like breaking down and sobbing and being like, I can't do all the things anymore. Like mm. I am overwhelmed. I am spent. I am, you know, and I was supporting myself and how am I going to go to school? All these things. And at that moment, it was like, I have to quit my full-time job. And guess what I did? I hustled and I made it so that an unpaid internship suddenly became a paid one, which like didn't happen for almost anybody, but I made that shit happen. So it's like, I don't know. I give that example just to say like, there's work in the trust, right? Just to reiterate Always. this idea of like, we're not just saying just whatever, kick up your heels and the universe will make it happen. You know? No, it's like raise your vibration. That might makes me crazy. It's so misunderstood. I know. You know, it's like, Raising your vibration means attending to what's in front of you. Yes. If you're angry, yes. if you're sad, if you're in moment. pain, I just can't go, oh, I'm so grateful for the sunny day and be happy. No, 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 no. It's dealing with it's what's in front of you, feeling the feelings, grieving what needs to be grieved. And then you start to move up the energetic scale if that's what you're intending. But it's not just about gratitude journals and hoping that you're going to happy if you think happy thoughts. No, yes. all of this is doing the human stuff, you know, yeah. it's as my teacher, she would call it a luminous blueprint. When you're trying to create something in your life, you do what, what's in the practical world, the steps mm. that you can take, you make the phone calls, you write the emails, all those things. And you be very intentional about what you want to create and the feelings around it. And the energy of spirit works through you. And what's beautiful is spirit has infinite possibilities that your human mind could never imagine, but you are moving towards that with spirit. You're not just saying, I want a new house and like kicking your feet back, having a margarita and hoping it appears. No. That's what Millie is always saying about, you got to meet the universe halfway though. You can't just always. Like, yeah. yeah. It's a relationship. It's a yeah. relationship. You have to be in relationship to it. And mm -hmm. I think that, I think that the, I don't know. I think that the hurdles that we feel we have to cross feel so big because we've been conditioned that the hurdles are that big. Mm. So for instance, like, why is it so hard that if you're at a job and you hate it, why is it such a big thing to just move something, move in a different direction, right? And, and look, I get it. People have families, people have mortgages, people have all of these things. We all have different responsibilities. When I decided that I was gonna leave where I was, it wasn't just like, 
I'm just going to quit today. Mm-hmm. I saved like money for two time. years. I saved money for two years. Yeah. That is a long ass time. So be like, this is the amount of money I'm going to put away every freaking month. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of that, I also had to get rid of some debt. I had to downsize my lifestyle a lot. I had to do all of these things that I said, okay, this is, this is me trusting myself and having trust that something is going to unfold from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, this, this whole notion of why should I have to, why am I here? If I'm unhappy, oh, because this is a really great job and it gives me benefits and it gives me all the stuff. Look, if, you, if that's great, that's great for you. But if I'm miserable, that's not good enough for me. Mm-hmm. And I understand that living where I live and having the expenses I have, I have to make some really drastic changes in my life. And I think that making those drastic changes are what's the most difficult thing for us as human beings to do as if, we're not able to recreate that again. I like to remind myself that if I've done something once, I can do it again. I can probably do it again and maybe do it again. Yeah. I love that. I think that to me is the tangible work of betting on yourself. And that is the aspect that I feel like we we don't talk about a lot. Like, yes, absolutely. The universe is conspiring to support you in whatever you dream of, but you got to show up and believe in yourself and put in the work. There is work and it is consistent staying with yourself. But I I really appreciate the way that both of you articulated that because I think it's really misunderstood. Um, And it's absolutely real. (laughs) Well, and it's like, I mean, this is a whole other tangent and I realize what time we're at, but like people say this about relationships, right? You know, it's like, oh, if if it's right, it won't be that hard. It won't be that much work. And I'm like, I don't believe that either. I mean, it depends on what your definition of work is. First of all, like, is it constant suffering? Cause that's different than the work that actually is required for you to show up every day and put the work into this relationship to have it be what it is that you're longing for in a relationship. Right. And I think we confuse work. Like, I think there's a lot Mm. of different ideas of what work is and what struggle is. And maybe that's part of where people get confused on like, but you know, I tried to manifest it and it didn't work for me. And I wrote it on my mirror and lipstick and I oh. said it every day to myself <laughs> and it didn't work for me. You know, these affirmations and like all of these things that we're putting out there. And it's like, I, I just think there's some confusion. What the like meeting of the halfway actually means, you know? Right. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Uh, it's so well, funny I have because to say, I've never put an affirmation in lipstick on my mirror. I'm just saying I've heard that. I'm going I have now. to say that I have. I have and to say that I have. I'm like, yes. I want to see what happens now. And that shit worked for me. So <laughs> I'm going to try. <laughs> oh, so good. Well, I feel like we could we just, have you guys back. Please. I know we're obsessed with you guys. But this is so fun. I I feel like I want to share you both because I feel like you're such a gift in our lives. So I know that you both have some programs, some courses that are happening. I'm enrolled in one with Ashley and I'm so excited. So I might see you there if people sign up, but will you tell us a little bit about what you both have in the works coming up? Go ahead, Mel. Uh, So currently I am really focusing on my one-on-one coaching. So that's, that's where I'm at right now. Uh, last year I took the whole year off of that. And now I'm finally in a really good space. I'm working with some really amazing women. So that's where I'm at taking in one-on-one clients, uh, within the next month or two, I'm going to start my introduction to astrology again. I'll bring that back. 
but that's that's what I'm working on. You can find me on astroconsciousness.com, Instagram, uh, at astro underscore consciousness. And yeah, that's where I'm at. And just to jump in too, for those who maybe didn't hear you on our, our podcast, when we had you on just you, you, you do, you, you act as a coach as well. And so I want people to know that because I don't think we mentioned that, like you combine, it's the intuitive astrology, you combine the coaching with the mm-hmm. astrology. So when they think about working with you one-on-one, I just want to make sure people understand that that's- Thank you. I just throw in real quick? I don't understand, well, both of your brains, but Millie's brain, do you know that she remembers the chart of every single person <laughs> she has ever sat with ever? It's It kind of makes sense to me though, because when you described like how and why astrology was like your gateway, if that's like the way that you're like, it it speaks to you and the construct through which you intake information, output, then it makes sense. Right. As somebody who also tends to think like that, I can totally see that being, I mean, not that I would ever remember everybody's, but I can understand (laughs) that ability. (laughs) It's it's really weird. Sometimes I don't remember people's names, but I remember their chart, but I don't remember people's names, but I remember what they drink. (laughs) <laughs> that's the bar- bartender the in me right like I can see Wall Street 20 years later and be like you're a Jack and Coke guy I remember when you used to come in and order Jack and Coke that's, like, that's it <laughs> there you go all right Ashley what about you where do we find you what do you what are you up to oh um I am a psychospiritual counselor but my practice is full um I'm moving towards teaching more and I'm teaching these classes in spiritual mediumship which is about teaching us how to hone our intuitive skills. We work with doing soul to soul readings. We work with connecting with the spirit world. We do intuitive energy healing. And even if you don't want to do this for a living, it's a great way to learn. Like we were talking earlier, your own intuitive vocabulary and learn to trust. And it's a great way to start or even deepen your spiritual practice. And it's fun. And it's a small, intimate group, usually of six people. I do, um, I do two different classes at a time and, um, they start in April and then, um, what am I doing? Oh, I'm also doing some here in Charleston, if you're in Charleston, which I don't know if anyone is, but I'm going to be doing some equine um, assisted clinics, intuitive clinics and healing sessions. And you can find me at ashleytorrent.com and on Instagram at ashleytorrent29. I feel like we have to do a retreat one day with some equine therapy. That's like dream, Ashley. Yeah, I know. I think, I wonder, um, I love horses so much and it seems like this random thing. I just start putting but I love them so much. They've changed my life. And that's a whole nother topic of conversation, but yeah. Next time we'll get Next into time. that. Yeah. Thank y'all so with, much. With all four of us, you two are oh definitely going to be coming in. Yeah. We should thank you. put thank something you, in the works. You. Yeah. But thank you both so much for being here and just everything that you, I don't know, just the, the space that you hold in the world. It's just such profound healing that you offer everyone you come in contact with. You are both just such an incredible gift to humanity. Thank you. Thank Same you to y'all. Thank you. Thank you all. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Yeah. This is such a treat. And like I said, at the beginning, it's to me, it's, this is just a nudge that I get to have conversations with women that do what you do in the way that you do it. I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I'm doing all right. (laughs) I'm all right. (laughs) It's my daily mantra. (laughs) All is well. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at cheaper than therapy, the podcast.